Yo, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Techish. Uh, I'm one half of the hosting dynamic duo, Abadesi of Hustle Crew. And, and I'm the with. other half, Michael Bain of Pocket Pocket Jobs. Let's go. If you're new to the podcast, Techish is a weekly show that covers all the best stories at the intersection of tech and pop culture. Yep. So thanks for joining. Let's have fun. Let's go. So here is a, a new version of try to get people into the office story. Okay. Uh, the head of PwC, one of the largest professional services firms in the UK, has urged Gen Z workers mm. that if they are serious about having a career in the age of AI, then they need to be in the office, building relationships and learning from people. <sighs> what do we say about that? Discuss. Discuss. I <laughs> don't. I, if you're talking about coming into the office five days a week, nine to five i do not agree with that if you're mm. talking about coming in sometimes i do agree with that especially if you're young and you don't know anybody in your career if you just go from university yeah then all of a sudden you just live in your room yeah i do think you are at a disservice yeah. and i will say that the biggest learnings i had in my career when i started off as an engineer my first engineering job was sat right next to my cto I and i watched him code yeah and i learned to code that way and yeah. and it ate and to be honest this is how bad of an employee I am. I mm. learned what I needed to do after eight months. Yeah. And I went and started my own company. So basically, but, 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 but I'm not saying that that means that we have to be in all the time. But what yeah, I'm yeah. saying is I'm not going to sit here and act like there's no value for a junior employee to be in the office sometimes. But I'm going to sit in the seat of a junior employee. Okay. I'm okay. going to empathize with a junior employee. It's expensive to commute. hundred percent. It's expensive to buy lunch. I don't have time to like, I don't know, make food. Uh, also, yeah. I'm anxious AF. Like I got, I got, I got mental health problems, bruh. (laughs) Okay. I'm lonely. I go into the office. I don't know anyone else there. It's not fun. At least when I'm home, I'm more productive. I can manage my mental health. And if I really need to learn stuff, I can just go on TikTok or YouTube. No, okay. Now you're capping. Now you're just doing it on purpose. <laughs> but what I will say is, is that there's some truth to some of that. Definitely it's more expensive. It's more time consuming. It is yeah. more exhausting, um, which is why I, I will never wholesale say, listen, it should be, you know, full time going into the office. But Come on, some of that stuff we just gotta just push through suck and network, suck it up and network. Like, so um, would you say that to your younger self if you graduated today, um, out of your masters, out of UCL computer yeah, science, yeah. and you're you're in a startup and it's optional, you can go to the office yeah. if you want, but you don't have to. What's a young Mike gonna do? So let me give an analogy. Yeah, mm. so a friend of mine once met a young lady, lady at a bar, okay. and she was in town for like three months, three weeks. Sorry, while she was in the UK, she was on holiday. She said, listen, I've only got one time for a date, but I'm going to dinner with my mum. Do you want to join me? My friend calls me and said, bro, what should I do? Should I go? I said, go. Yeah. He said, but would you do that? I said, no, don't listen to what I would do. (laughs) Listen to what I'm telling you is the right thing to do. So if you came to me as a junior employee... I'm obviously going to want to chill at home. Yeah. Maybe even young Mike would be like, oh, man, let me just chill at home. There's Netflix here. Yeah. I'm in my pajamas. I'm comfortable. But do I think that has the maximum ROI for my career? No. Probably not. So since you're big bro, Mike, and say, listen, just, just show your face a couple times. I think that's But true. I'm not for those companies that are like being all the time. I think yeah. that's equally as, you know, insane. Yeah. It's equally illogical to be like, you need to be in at all times. You absolutely don't. Yeah. But some FaceTime is important mm. because we are still old school people. People are, yeah. haven't changed their DNA yeah. where we can just, you know, completely vibe with somebody on a screen and whenever yeah. i brought my company together like we bond much quicker yeah that way than we we, we can do on any zoom call yeah. 
I'll also say this, like, I'll be the first person to say that, like, a lot of office environments are just frankly hostile to, like, young people of color. 100%. Like, I'll be the first person yeah, to call 1000%. that out. That's literally why I started my company, Hustle Crew, and that's how we make money, helping these environments be more inclusive. But at the same time, one of the things that I only appreciate as I get older, and I'm saying this now as someone that joined the tech industry in 2011, I don't even want to admit that because I know I look young and you can still be So you joined the industry at five years old. Yeah, exactly. There exactly. we go. <laughs> um, but what, what you realize as you get older is you work for a long, long time. And people that you thought you would never see again end up being the CEO of this company 100%. or the head of a department or that company. People who you didn't even like or didn't even talk to will suddenly be commenting on your LinkedIn post saying like, Hey, can I find out more about your product or service? I had lunch the other day, um, with the, actually the man that gave me my first job in tech, Mm. my old boss at Groupon, who now runs a startup hub for like a huge, uh, UK based corporate. And I was just like, it's so nice to like sit opposite a table with someone and actually just like shoot the breeze as Mm -hmm. homies, as friends, like 10 years on from when we had a relationship as manager and employee or, you know, manager direct report. So I, I'm very aware of the fact that if I wasn't in a period of time where it was the expectation to come into the office, these bonds would not be there and these yep. relationships would not be there. So, you know, if you are interested in working for a really long time, rising up the career ladder, eventually maybe running your own company or running your own department, put in that FaceTime. Yeah. But we're saying, yeah, like don't, we're not saying we're not anti-remote work, we're pro-remote work, but like yeah. putting some FaceTime. Because yeah. to me, I'll be honest with you, you know, we hated that word quiet firing or wasn't, it wasn't quiet, quite, quitting. quiet quitting. That's yeah. it. I believe that a lot of this come to the office stuff is a way to lay people off. Because now a lot of companies are like, mm-hmm. if you are not tapping in three times a week, you're, you're in, gone, you're, you're gone basically, you. or you're in trouble. Yeah. So I think this is a way where they're like, listen, yeah, pass the buck, pass the, let's lay, lay people off with a reason. And they're probably thinking to themselves that cohort is are the ones who are less engaged with the company mm. or less incentivized or yeah. care about the company least. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think that's fair, but, um, cause you might have, you know, single mothers or parents who, or people who have elderly parents they're looking after and they need to be close to them. They can't come into the office easily. Um, but companies are just being real ruthless right now and they're taking advantage of the downturn and saying, listen, we're getting rid of all, all you remote workers, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Actually, so let's segue into something. Segway. Um, career success and soft life. Okay, so I come from like a generation that graduated in the late 2000s, right? Credit crunch, recession. Like mm-hmm. we were grateful to get a job. And I'm talking to someone with a very privileged education. I studied economics at the London yeah. School of Economics. Yeah, Illuminati for real. <laughs> so, you know, people, people from my university were like guaranteed jobs at McKinney, Golden. You lot were the Golden best. Side. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, don't even, don't even interview. Like, boom. Oh, LSE. Yeah, come on in. And then everything changed. And suddenly we were just out there fighting with like Harvard grads and Oxford grads and Cambridge grads for like the few jobs that were there. And it meant that when a job landed in my lap, I was just like, I'll come in early. Yeah. I'll stay late. Because in my mind, I was like. Liquor. <laughs> yes, sir. Liquor. I got your tea. I got your coffee. <laughs> Here's an apple, that sir. That's just called hard work back then. <laughs> That's just called hard work. But, you know, it's a bit like that show Industry where they're mm. reminded, non- look around because a lot of you aren't going to be here. Yeah. At the end of this internship, at the end of this program. But that was sort of the mindset that I entered into. I am, I entered the workplace with a scarcity mindset. Is 100%, what I'm trying to say. yeah. And what I find really interesting is that there's, because of a period of abundance, a lot of people entering the workforce in the last few years have come in with quite an abundant mindset. Like, do you know what? I can do, you know, the contractual hours, which quite frankly, a lot of business leaders and old school people see as the bare minimum. What you see as your contracted hours or what you, but like, that's the generation that I come from. Because okay. for me, it was like, especially in the startup world, 
unless you're doing that nine to nine, which is literally what we would do at Groupon a year before the IPO, finish, you know, start at nine, finish at nine. Yeah. Um, you are not serious. And I just find it really interesting because I am not saying that I believe that overwork is correct, but I am saying that it's going to be really hard to make quick progress financially and career wise without overworking. Interesting. Because if you're, if you are just doing what you are contractually obligated to do, then the person who's doing more will always be seen as a more valuable asset. Did you see that TikTok that went viral? It was a podcast. It's kind of, it was a guy and a woman actually on the podcast and they were reading a letter or an email that somebody sent in where basically it was a Gen Z. No, it was a a millennial who was managing a Gen Z employee and they read a scenario where they said, I told my Gen Z employee, we have a a morning meeting at 8am. And they told me, yeah, I can't make it because like, I've got like my workout. Sorry. Yeah. And then the two hosts who are reading, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, the two hosts, the two hosts who are reading the email were like, oh, I'm furious. I'm fuming. I'm shaking, blah, 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 blah. And they got absolutely destroyed on TikTok for basically like defending the millennial manager for being annoyed yeah, at yeah. that Gen Z come employee. For me, for TikTok, come for me. <sighs> but listen, I think. Cause like, let's face it. No, but come on. That's, I, I would never ask anybody to come in. Actually, would I? I don't think no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't want to lie. I don't, I don't want people to look at my LinkedIn profile and go, wow, Abadesi worked at all these companies. Abadesi got how did you all do these it? Jobs. Yeah, it was easy. Abadesi built a seven figure company. Oh guys, you know how I did it? I did my two hour workout from eight to 10. Then I like did two or three calls. Then I went for a hike. Then I had a matcha latte. No, I earned the privilege of a soft life because I had no life for my twenties. And I think it's like, if there's anyone out there telling you, let me show you how to live a soft life and become a millionaire, they're lying. I, I, that is true. Don't they get it twisted. But I don't, I, personally, I don't believe working from nine till six is soft life. Because to me, if you are actually working hard during that time period mm. and uh, I'm very productive, that is more than enough time to get shit done, from my opinion. The times where I've worked longer than mm. that are when I was like, for example, at my first startup job, working next to the CTO, I'm learning to code. Yeah. I was passionate. I was like, cause I'm, I knew that every bit of information I got was making yeah. me better and stronger and more powerful as an yeah. engineer that I was going to use for my career. The other times I worked longer hours when I'm building my own company. Yeah. Now, am I going to tell though somebody who's basically a junior marketing person at a certain company that you need to be working from nine till nine or eight till nine? I, I don't think that's necessary. Just be productive with the time that you've got, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but you're not a venture back company. I'm not a venture back company. So <laughs> but that's the point I'm making. But not everyone, yeah. no, not even at my company, I'm saying not everyone is in a company where it's not like Groupon. Because Groupon, for example, you were incentivized, you had equity, and they exactly. were telling you, we're growing, we're growing, growing. And if we yeah. make, if we IPO, everyone's yeah. getting rich. Yeah. Not everyone's in a company like that. A lot of people are in a middle tier company that's not growing. Absolutely. One, they have no profit incentive, yeah. they have no ownership. Yeah. Basically, they've just got a normal, regular nine to five, and they're yeah. being told to work like they're an owner. Come on, you can't expect people to do that. A hundred percent, and I wouldn't. But this is what I'm saying don't join a company that expects you to have an owner mindset and say you want this off life. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah figure it out basically and also like if you want to be a really successful entrepreneur you have to be realistic about what you can achieve if you're only going to work nine to six tell me that you only work nine to six in the first no that's not the case yeah yeah, it's not true of course i work longer i work longer harder weekends everything this is what i'm saying and i was like i just feel like there's like this weird disconnect or this weird distortion where people are just like hey everyone oh my god like do this do that whatever and then you're gonna get paid no like the real grind is where you get paid and it is painful and it is horrible and it's a sacrifice. Basically, like it's a sacrifice. Okay, here's the clarification I want to make. Mm. What you're saying is true to a certain extent. I just feel like 
if you are striving for excellence, you want to be one of the top 1% earners in the world, of course, you're going to have to put in top 1% effort. Mm. 100%. If you want to be, I want to be 200 grand a year, 150, whatever, whatever. If you want to be an entrepreneur, to me, it's like me me being an entrepreneur to me is like, you know, somebody else being a musician. A musician. I, don't, I don't even count the hours. I enjoy it. It's, mm. that's, how, that's how sick it is. I'm like, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm building my business. Yeah, I'm a workaholic. Yeah, I'm, a work- no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not a workaholic because when I was at university, I was very lazy. If I didn't understand mm, what I was doing. Exactly, that's the point I'm making. So it's not, I'm not a workaholic. I just enjoy my art form is making companies. I enjoy mm, that. Okay. Yeah, 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 I don't, your art form is making money. Yeah, yeah okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that moolah. <laughs> I'm Picasso, baby, with the dollars. No. <laughs> But yeah. Building a company is a passion thing for me, so I'm I'm mm. willing to do it. But can I say to somebody who's probably earning, you know, US equivalent sixty thousand, UK equivalent thirty, thirty five thousand, there's no real career growth. Am I gonna tell them that you need to grind? And this is not let's say, let's say this is a career that you're not particularly passionate about. Yeah. I don't no, that's I, not fair. Yeah, it's not fair, like and you're not incentivized with any equity. I don't know. Let's segue it. We'll leave it to the audience. Who's right, me or Abadesi? To be fair, of course. <laughs> I think you're gonna get cooked for that, I'll be honest with you, but so let's talk about relationships. So I saw something. Mm. Uh, you sent it to me, actually. Let me see if I can get a tweet because it was actually hilarious. So here's the tweet. I went on a date last night and the guy texted me when I got home. Here's the text. Hey, I had a lot of fun meeting you tonight. You're really hot and funny. I know it's really insecure of me to say this, but I just don't know if I can date a girl who is stronger than me. I wish you all the luck with your competition. <laughs> Exclamation mark. And I'm guessing... By competition, she's in some sort of bodybuilding or, you know, weightlifting or powerlifting type competition. Mm. And that was a dude texting a woman saying that he can't date a woman who's stronger than him. What is your initial thoughts to this chap? I mean, I feel quite conflicted because on the one hand, I'm like, well, I admire his honesty. <laughs> at least he's like, at least he's putting it out there. He, he didn't was like, I ain't shit, I'm gone. He didn't, he didn't ghost her. He called out his own insecurity. But at the same time, I'm like, really? Like, mm. are you less of a man because a woman is stronger than you? Like, you need to you need to go and unpack that. I mean, really? <laughs> really? Is that, like, is that a thing? The male ego is fragile. Let me tell you that one right wow, now. Wow, for real. But you know what? There's levels to this, isn't it? Because the, the ultimate good guy in this situation is the person who's secure enough to be in the relationship with a person in that, who's stronger than them. Yeah. Then I think there's this guy. Second, second, <laughs> second tier. Bottom tier is the person who pretends they're okay with it. Th- then they get into the relationship with you, mm. and they start chipping away. Yeah. They start trying to bring you down. Oh, but come on, like, do you really need to do yeah. this? Do you really? Need to, why don't you do something quote unquote more feminine? Or mm. you know, that's the worst person who's yeah. coming in to actually dim your light, pretending they're okay with it and trying to yeah. shut you down. This person, listen, they they admitted their vulnerabilities yeah. and their flaws and their psyche, and they're like, listen, I can't do this. Yeah. This is probably. This is like a male ick, I'll be honest with you. You know how you hear the ick, the ick? This is like, listen, yeah. I'll be honest with you, that I had the thought of you being stronger than me. Like, it's but not a turn I on. I mean- you love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. (laughs) I I have so many questions. Like, either there is, like, some kind of, like, 
you know, sex element to this. Like you need to be stronger than the person, like to enjoy things that are physical. It reminded me of a time when I was at university and one of my friends started dating this guy and he was just like, you can't go on top. And she was like, why? I like to go on top. And he's like, it makes me feel like less of a man. Okay, yeah, he's crazy. And I was like, what? Bugging. So I don't know, it kind of, when I read that tweet, it kind of reminded me of that. And I was just like, yo, like we need to like unpack these like, outdated gender stereotypes and gender roles. Yeah, like, I think I think what? The, I think certain men think protecting and providing are the only two things that they can stake out as like their thing. Can so just, go on, oh. go on, shoot, shoot, go on. I just need to say, I just need to say this is like the perfect time to remind everyone that we all benefit from feminism, okay? It's not just women that benefit from feminism. Men are also trapped in these limiting mindsets and limiting roles. And the fight for equality, like the fight for all genders to be respected Mm -hmm. and have like equal access to opportunities and like equal access to individuality and whatever they want. It's a fight for all of us. It's not just women. And you're right. Men are trapped into thinking I must be a provider, but men are trapped into this idea of being a provider because of patriarchy, because of toxic masculinity. Every man who is not a feminist is literally participating in their own oppression as well. A hundred percent. But this is the, um, so I said protector and provider. So in this situation, he probably feels like I can't, can't be the protector in a relationship if I know that you're actually the person with the better chance of being up the burglars, basically. Let's face it. Because <laughs> like I say, you feel you hear a noise at night and I you're like, who's be- going downstairs? Is it you or is it me? Because <laughs> you got all those medals over there. Go get them, darling. <laughs> someone who talks like that, let's face it, fight, fight or freeze, this guy will be running anyway. This guy okay, yeah, maybe, anyway. yeah, like, maybe. He's not going to confront that. I mean... You know what's interesting though? Like I'm moving in certain circles now as I've done well in business. So I speak to a lot of men who have achieved financial success Mm. and one of the fears that they often talk about um is like you know divorce basically and losing out on financial uh, means basically based on divorce and what you said kind of tickled me because what you're saying about how like you know as women do better as we on you know chain women from all these this bs patriarchy it will benefit men too because actually what you see now when i see like someone like adele have to pay like half of her money to her husband they didn't have children together you know she you know he didn't write them songs. He wasn't on the stage. <laughs> yeah. He was shooting with her in the gym. Like I saw a lot of women that were like, hold on, wait, pause. 200 mil for this guy. So I was like, maybe we might, the, the laws will change ourselves. <laughs> I was talking to my rich dude friends. I was like, listen, you know, if he was cooking the, the, the game's changing. If he was supporting her, because that's the argument that women made for men, right? Like, but, you know, I was behind the scenes helping run the show yeah, and that's how it on. is. There's, a, there's an element where it's like, there's obviously a fair amount that somebody deserves to have building in the marriage absolutely 1000 percent partnership Part, it's a partnership mm. but 200 mil come on let's, let's, hey, this is where i'm exposing myself sign basically prenup, sign that prenup <laughs> here's another question though because very old episode of the podcast that the og fans will remember we did a little review of the app short kings yes the dating app short kings which was what was for, short kings it was so it was you know men five foot five and under looking for love <laughs> i believe yes or five six or something and there is a market for that, especially like, you know, like there, there are a lot of women who like do not have an issue with dating a man shorter than them. But what I find really interesting is like, truth be told, have I ever dated a man shorter than me? I haven't. What's your, how tall are you? I'm five foot five. I'm actually five foot four and a half. But okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I say that I'm like tall for a Filipino person, but I'm short for a Nigerian person. <laughs> oh my days. <laughs> and I'm half and half. So, you know, that's how it goes or whatever, mixed. But what I think is really interesting is like when I read that tweet where the guy's like, I can't date someone who's stronger than me. I immediately called him out like, oh my God, God, it's like, get over yourself. But then at the same time, I was like, 
But let me really be honest. Have I ever dated a man who's shorter than me? And I haven't. So maybe I'm a hypocrite. I'm just saying. Would you have dated somebody that was like 5'7", though? Yeah. Mm, your voice broke down. <laughs> <laughs> the high pitch inflection of the voice. Our survey says, lie. I've been socially conditioned. Yeah. I've been socially conditioned to... Uh, find taller men attractive like many of us have um but i don't think i'd mind no i mean i haven't but why not, why not? techish is sponsored by intuit a global technology platform that serves millions of customers worldwide with TurboTax, credit karma quickbooks and mailchimp they are now hiring for a variety of tech and non-tech roles across all products and regions at intuit you'll be part of a team that emphasizes the importance of diverse voices to drive innovation and power and prosperity for all Check out Intuit's career opportunities waiting for you. Visit intuit.com slash pocket. That's intuit.com slash pocket. Link in the show notes. Okay, let's segue back into entrepreneurship land. So, um, and to save Abadesi from the awkward conversation there, <laughs> <laughs> exposing her bias towards our short brethren. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my short king. Stay strong, fellas out there, all right? There are you know a lot of I mean? attractive short men out there. Trust me. Or should um, I say height challenged? <laughs> vertically challenged. Um... <laughs> So I saw a tweet from Levels, who Peter Levels, who's a famous indie hacker, indie founder, one of the most prominent entrepreneurs who's basically built without, you know, VC funding. You've probably heard of Nomadlist. Nomadlist, Remote OK. Remote okay. Mm. Um, he tweeted this. I discovered this recently. With 99% of your SaaS subscriptions, you can simply email them and say you want a special discount and you often get it if you just ask nicely. Anywhere from 20 to 80% discount on your SaaS bills, which can really increase your profit margins, exclamation mark. And I've just got to say, actually, speaking as me, and no longer reading the tweet. I have done something similar recently. Mm. Um, and actually, it wasn't inspired by that tweet. It was inspired by Nikita Biz, another kind of tick, uh, Twitter tech influencer. Mm. And um, he was of founder of Gas TBH. and TBH. Yeah. yeah. I was, he basically said, listen, I'm on the phone every morning on my way to work, you know, with like account managers just harassing them. Other like, rich stay rich. He's like, yo. That guy's got money. Yeah. But listen, but he was like, I am basically trying to get my bills down to zero. Like, wow. you know what I mean? And then he was, he said that he'd put the phone, like, let's say your, your service, your service AWS, and then you've got Google Cloud and the other line. Have them in the email thread just negotiating against themselves. No, that's, <laughs> that's power moves. That's Logan Roy shit. So what I did is I went on ChatGPT and I said, give me a, an email template I can send to my providers. Mm. Tell them, you know, I really appreciate the product. Product's great. But right now it's a challenge time economically can I get a discount? Otherwise, we're going to have to leave. Yeah. I sent it to Slack. I sent it to Notion. Mm. I sent it to Heroku. I sent it to Cloudinary, which hosts our image. Mm. I would say at least... All the companies that will never sponsor us again. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, sent it, <laughs> I sent it to like three of three of the four gave me considerable discounts. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Three yeah. of the four were like, please don't leave. Mm. The one who was the worst was actually Notion. Notion was like, no. Yeah. Notion was like, it's not... Notion's it's cheap. No. No, it's not once you've got to a certain... If you've got like... For each team member, it's like seven, eight bucks. Notion hack. Go through all the users and like... Yeah, remove. Members of pages yeah. and make sure you've removed people. Yeah. I, had, I did that last year. Where I was just like, oh damn, this person's still on my Notion. I'm getting charged for that? Nah. Exactly. Um, Notion was like, no. Slack gave me credits. To, to, yeah, it wasn't great, but it was like... Listen, for, so for example, I think my Slack might cost me like a thousand a year. Yeah. And they gave me like $200 credits, which is yeah. not bad. That's like a 20, you know what I mean? Yeah. But some of the other ones, Heroku, Cloudinary, I think I got like, you know, 80% discounts. Yeah, that's really good. And like, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, actually, so at the end of the year, my bills outside of salaries might have mm. been, you know, f you know, so hold on, actually. I think it was like my salary, all my bills were like 30 grand a year. Mm. I got it down to like 18 damn that's not that's bad that's straight that's to the profit tough. margin and all it did was a few emails and just wow. be like hey so listen if you're an entrepreneur 
be scrappy. Yeah. Be a hustler. Especially if, listen, if you are from immigrant stock or any sort of thing, <laughs> however your parents are at the market, yeah. that's how you got to be now. At the market. Because you know what? like <laughs> Last price. What basically, is your last price? Yeah, because you know what? We start getting, you come into the business world and you yeah. almost feel you know, like an imposter. So you just think, True. whatever the price is, the price is, this is the price. Yeah. So you know, fuck that, give me the better price, bro. It's so interesting that you say that actually, because I have this ritual in my company where every year we review our subscriptions. So we just go through every SaaS product, every subscription, every recurring fee, and literally line by line go, are we using it? Do we mm-hmm. need it or not? And after I heard your story, because I know before you shared it with our um, audience, you told me, I did the same thing where I was just like, okay. And what was so interesting about it was that I realized that like, we weren't even using all of our Heroku like features there you go so we're actually overpaying yeah. our web hosting for what we need and i do think it is like a really worthwhile exercise i sit on the board of like a couple of charities and i had this conversation with them where they were just like you know like how can we save money and i was just like yo like this is the ultimate hack and to be honest it, you don't need to wait for a downturn like that nikita guy you should just do this every mm. ceo or whatever make your ops person do it make anyone do it i think this is like a very worthwhile ritual it's so funny because probably companies are doing that to our service as well that's the funny oh, thing snap. yeah that's the circle hang of life on a and minute. that's why every company hang on a minute. that's why a lot of companies are either a doing layoffs or yeah, but doing really business, it's different for me it's different for me that's the circle of capitalism no, though everyone's looking for savings invest in the black economy come on now. come on <laughs> Um, you know, actually, so I think, uh, what's the company? Is it Honey? Honey? What's it called? It's basically like a natural, um, I'm going to get it completely wrong. The founder is called Beatrice Dixon. And she basically sells like, I think it's like feminine hygiene products, but basically they're like natural, organic. Mm. And her company was called Honeypot. And it basically scaled up now. And I think she sold a majority stake for around $400 million. Oh, nice. Great achievement. Unbelievable outcome. But what? always comes up in this time mm. when founders sell, especially black founders sell. Quality of the product. Is A, is the quality of the product going to go down too? And B, why do we have to sell? Oh, why can't we it's keep black dollar. ownership? Mm. What's your thoughts on the never ending conversation about black ownership and, you know, our founders selling when they shouldn't sell? Should we maintain and keep it in-house? What's your thoughts on this? For our new listeners who haven't heard us discuss this before. I think it's not even that. I think my thoughts on it are also evolving, if I'm honest. Like, I know in the past we've been, like, really obsessed with this idea of just, like, maintaining black ownership and creating generational wealth. If we think of the U.S., for example, like, generational wealth is not really a thing when it comes to black communities, which is absolutely tragic when you think of, like, the economic history of the country and who's really, like, built it, right? Slaves and stuff. And I get upset obviously when i hear that like another black company you know built by us for us driven by that need gets acquired by another huge conglomerate where we're not really represented on the board we're not really represented in the shareholders and it feels like a lost opportunity to like keep that money in the black economy but now over the long arc of time i kind of feel that like Actually, it's not necessarily like lost power, though, because if these founders get an exit, first of all, they're going to become rich, which is really great. It's really great to have like more 
rich black people. And mm. what happens when we have more rich black people? These rich black people can influence society in other ways. Like they could now go and like sit on the boards of museums and art galleries and get more black artists on the walls. And that's going to shape, you know, the visit of like a school kid that goes there and suddenly goes, wow, I could be an artist. That could be me one day. They can go and become executive producers of TV shows and movies and commission more black stories to get made so that we can be in the box office and so we can hire black you know producers and directors and actors they could go and start publishing companies and commission books so you know my view on this has been black people getting rich will always be a good thing obviously it would be nice if black people don't have to get rich by making white men richer that would be an ideal situation but let's face it how many exit opportunities are there for a black business to another black business it's very rare but then i guess the argument is if some people don't sell their company they can grow and scale to eventually become the acquirer but at the same time yeah especially for companies like consumer packaged goods yeah it's not as if it's it's the company spitting out profits and giving you mad dividends you're probably constantly reinvesting constantly reinvesting in stock trying to get distribution in, in supermarkets and whatever mm. whatever um so the exit is the only time you get really to ever really like make any to make a windfall so you can't be mad at people for selling i, th I think and it's I, a i think it's a silly argument it, really because it, it's like end of the day like you said all the positive things you mentioned but also now they can write angel invest angel investing checks to the next exactly. generation of founders you know how many times are we complaining about you know black founders mm. can't get investment investors because no one believes in the idea or no one yeah. they don't know nobody with any wealth but the more black yeah. wealthy people there are the better the odds are finding somebody to cut you a check who believes in your idea i also just want to talk about the reality of like being at the helm of a fast-growing business mm. right Life happens. One of my favorite brands of the last few years has been Afrocentrics. I was going to bring that up, actually. Okay, yes. so if you don't know, Afrocentrics was started by two friends, Rachel and Jocelyn. Literally, I think they were at uni, desperate for hair products, for like Afro hair. Literally like made the first batch in their bathroom, that kind of vibe. Yeah. And over the years, through angel investments, incredible marketing campaigns, and frankly, an amazing product mm -hmm. loved by a community were able to get featured like on the shelves of whole foods yeah and then you know rachel had twins um you know this is child three and four for her and in the early days of their life their health was compromised and as a mother she had to be there for her kids these kids were like getting operations and yeah. you know it meant that she had to take time out of the business and she's been very open about this in an exclusive story for black ballad so if yeah. you haven't uh, we'll put the read link it, in the show notes like please check it out definitely recommend subscribing to black ballad i've been a subscriber for years and in the story she basically talks about the fact that because she had to put life first her investors just made moves mm. without her and the company started going in a direction that she no longer felt comfortable with and no longer could stand by and i think you know, I don't want to spoil the story. You guys go read the story. But what we don't know when we talk about all of these brands that exit is like the sacrifices that have been made by the founders to get to that point. And I think it's all good and well in theory to be like, hold up for the long run, hold up for the long run. But we were on the show talking about the founder of NVIDIA, right? Saying who held out for the long run and is now under attack from Microsoft, Apple, all these big tech companies. He himself said if he could go back in time, he'd be like, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it because starting a company, growing a company, keeping a company alive costs you friends, costs you relationship, costs you life. The thing about, so Afrocentrics was interesting is that essentially because, she, you know, she wasn't able to fully focus on the business, like you said, the other, other owners, the other investors basically forced the sale. 
mm. of the company. I know you don't want to spoil it, but I think it's relevant to what I'm going yeah, to say. Go they forced the sale of the company in a way that was non-optimal. The product, I think, you know, probably is declining in quality. And and Rachel came out and said, "Listen, I don't agree with the direction the company is going in. I'm not involved, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Now I'm going to assume that the exit wasn't uh, a giant windfall for her. I'm going to assume that it was just like the company. I think because I think the company was slowly going out of business, so they just forced the sale to some sort of company to get some money in. But it wasn't as if she's walking away with a bunch of money, basically, mm. right? Now let's say three years prior, somebody came in with a massive offer. Mm. We would be like, "Oh, how can you do that? How can you do that?" Or something. Exactly. But it's like sometimes you've got to take the offer when you're up because you don't know what is going to come down the line three years down the line. Exactly. Like we might sit there, oh, black ownership. But listen, that's that's what can happen. You might ride, you know, you might go all the way to your company's end and it might not work out and you didn't and you turn down an exit. You just don't yeah. know. You've got to prioritize your, your you and your family. You absolutely have to. There's no guarantees. There's a no guarantees. The hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. And like, yeah, man, it's a real roller coaster. You're so right. You're so right. Like we don't know that. You just don't know what the future holds. Yeah. That's been this week's Techish. Thank you everyone for listening and tuning in at Techish Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe, share the episode, leave a review, and we'll catch you next week. Hey everyone, it's still layoff season in startup land. And hey, I know how hard it is. I've been laid off twice myself since 2020. So I think it's actually a really nice opportunity to reflect on what you want in your next job. So head to Hustle Crew Live and check out Layoffs to Lemonade for free resources on how to get through this tough time.